Hi, Jason. Hello, Henrietta. Welcome to the conversations with Jason Campbell and Henrietta Galena. So today we're going to partially revisit something that came up in season two, episode one, when we were talking about uh, the important issues in fashion. Um, we got a lot of response to Jason's somewhat mini monologue on Ms. Naomi Campbell. Um, and we kind of wanted to revisit that in a way that contextualized his thoughts. But then when we were kind of unpacking it a bit, there was a real valid question that we thought actually did need to be discussed yes. um, and was a really interesting conversation. That being, if diversity is the platform that Naomi Campbell is riding on, is that really authentic, given that you could argue that over the last 20 years or 20 years pre her kind of being on this platform, she hindered progress, racial progress in the industry. So, I mean, it's not quite a massively formulated question, but I thought it was a real interesting one. And I think that's also one of the things that Jason was reacting to, this kind of lack of authenticity in her rebrand, given that the arc of her career was so steeped in the, the hindrance of said diversity. Exactly. And well put, Henrietta. And I think it it has kind of taken us some time to get to this point. <laughs> we <laughs> a lot of arguing. <laughs> you know, we have discussed Naomi Campbell in different ways over <laughs> over the last since we've known each other, let's say, you know, she's obviously very visible, highly topical in fashion, and um and I certainly have a lot of opinions about her because Naomi Campbell has been someone that, you know, you have seen in the industry representing our people for a very long time, or at least supposed to represent our people. But here's my feeling on Naomi Campbell. I, as I said, I've, she's been mentioned a few times on this podcast from, from me, and I want to contextualize this. Naomi Campbell has a history. I mean, she has a history certainly of, you know, flinging cell phones and so on and so forth. Those are the most more egregious things that the general public knows. But inter-industry, Naomi Campbell is really known as the model who has really kept other models of color off the runway, especially in her heyday in the 80s and 90s and even the early noughts, where she wanted to be the only one. And being that she was the most famous one and the most popular one, she wielded her authority and her position, you know, like a like a lance. Like she really had the power to keep models, other models of color off the runway, to keep them out of editorials that they may appear in with her, and to keep them out of campaigns. And these are very well known, some of them well documented stories in this industry. This is not hearsay and this is just not, you know, urban legends. Naomi Campbell is definitely responsible for some of these things in the past. So now in this age of a rebrand where she is sitting on the platform of diversity and being seen as the godmother of, of, of models of color in this industry, I think that there's a lot that's disingenuous about that position. I don't want to take anything away from her knowing better and wanting to do better. But in that rebrand, let's Let's, let's atone. Let's talk about how differently it was in an age when she was getting it wrong and how she has grown, learned better, and is now, she, has, she knows so much better that now she is actually working for the cause and not against the cause. 
So I think one of the things that has been a sticking point in our conversation is my whole thing is I think that any sort of atonement will be unrealistic or an unrealistic ask, given how ingrained you are in in the industry, like capital I. A lot of this isn't public knowledge. Like you said, it's the slinging the cell phones and the being late on set. But I think this almost black on black violence you're talking about... <laughs> is relatively unknown to a large sector of the public. It's not mainstream knowledge um, and it isn't at all, if ever, written about. And so my thoughts are that, I mean, listen, an atonement is never going to happen unless people start calling out for one. And by people, I mean the people involved, a la a Tyra Banks sit down of like, this is what you did. Let's sit down and talk about that. And there's that acknowledgement and that, you know, just like in anything, if you've done something wrong and no one knows about, did it really happen kind of thing. And we know that the industry is is somewhat complicit, right? Yes. So there's that. I'm glad that you mentioned Tyra. And, you know, Tyra and Naomi had that, that, that seminal moment, what it was maybe like five years ago, or where essentially Tyra called Naomi to the, to the carpet, essentially. She said that you treated me poorly, speaking to what I, I just mentioned, effectively tried to impact her career by not wanting to be represented in the same campaigns, runways, and so forth as Naomi. And, you know, this is, this is as well very well-known information in the industry. And, of course, Tyra has gone on to have a very successful career of her own. But it shows how impactful Naomi's behavior was at the time because... Because even as Tyra was so successful, she had to call Naomi for her, you know, to create some sort of like um, closure to that to that story. And we shouldn't also we shouldn't also overlook the context in which that conversation happened. I mean, Tyra Banks kind of exited the stage left from the industry and really made her success. And that conversation happened under her uh, media mogul hat. Yes, right? it wasn't. Exactly. It wasn't. It wasn't the equal footing of like a supermodel to supermodel. It was very much okay. on Tyra's show. So I think even her, her leaving the industry in that form, yes, was. I think I. I actually forget, but might have been a credit attributed to Naomi's behaviour over her tenure as a supermodel. Well, no doubt, no doubt. You know, Tyra was one of the because Tyra was the. Tyra was the one that uh, that was second to Naomi, let's say, so she was the, the strongest competitor. So yeah, Tyra for sure was on the receiving end of, of a great deal of wrath from Naomi at that time. So she felt that she had to she had to have some closure to that chapter. And I thought it was a wonderful A, she was on the other side of the business now. She, as you said, it was under a Mogoldum umbrella. And she was able to have a different conversation than she would have been able than she would have had with Naomi at the time. But it shows you still years after Tyra had left the industry, had gone on to um, to have her own successes in other in, in the media world, she still had to clean up this story, essentially call Naomi to Matt to clean up this story. But I think this is also, I think that's what I'm saying, is she had to be called to task for that to happen. But listen, this was also mutually beneficial for both of them because it was the beginning of the Naomi 2.0 rebrand of this is probably the most public story out there. Let's clean this up. To me, that was probably the most you're going to get of an atonement unless there is a, a new wave of, of accusations. Well, yes. And I think it served Naomi just as well because, I mean, you could argue that was the atonement there of, I'm really sorry, Tyra. I mean, people laughed at how disingenuous it was, but you could argue that it was, you know, this is my apology now. And 
bring forth the Naomi rebrand. And that's a and that's a great point. That that's a great point in that that moment that they had, there's some significance to that. However, Tyra <laughs> Tyra had nothing to lose. Tyra was let's say oh, no, on, sure. on top at that time. Absolutely. And so she felt empowered where she had to confront this important storyline from her past. Now you said, you know, there hasn't been any other any other models who have sort of come forth. Well let's be honest, a lot of those black models from that era, Naomi like stalled their career. Or they have gone on to live lives where they're not as empowered as say a Tyra to, you know, to raise these issues that had taken place back in the day. And let's be honest, it's not just, you know, it would be great, let's say, if these models came forth and say, you know, we also had a negative history with Naomi. We love what she's doing presently but in the past it didn't the picture didn't look like this we love what she's doing for the young models the models of color these days and it looks like it's going to be a brighter future great but at in our era it was a much more negative time it was a much more insidious time and naomi was really uh responsible for this culture now to your point about the atonement um i just think it's very important i'm sorry this naomi profiling this naomi 2.0 situation is just way too hollywood for me i think we have like we've made ourselves available to 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 drink this kool-aid of these false sort of rebrands i think in this case is too important this issue surrounding diversity and inclusivity i don't want a, a disingenuous person representing this movement and not to say that she's in uh, she's completely disingenuous but i think that she has to atone for this time she has to say that she got it wrong at one time that she she too was responsible for keeping you know young models of color off the runway that she was she literally was misguided at the time but in this age she has learned and she's actively working to reverse some of those ills that she had done in the past so the idea of atonement was actually a big sticking point for us because i felt it was very unrealistic um and you took big issue with that but i think one of the things that actually has really swayed me in terms of because I was like does it matter is it needed she's doing what she's doing the output is positive so does any of that even matter like maybe she's atoned and changed behind closed doors one of the things that I thought was really interesting and has slightly swayed me is if you are part of the cause of the problem like we talk oh, about change and point. do you remember I did that pan- that that panel and one of the things that was my sticking point was we can never reach real progress unless we're honest about how we got here right and I think right. that's what made right. me sway right. in having what was a very heated argument <laughs> Jason was so furious at me but one of the things that I did actually was a bit of an aha moment is atonement is very important and impactful if you are a part of the issue, ah. if you are part of the architect of, of what is essentially a very systemic issue in fashion, we should talk about that and then move forward. Okay. And so, I'm, I mean, listen, I'm not saying that Naomi is solely responsible for the race issue. I, that's not at all what no. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But from everything that you've told me in terms of how that, how she wielded this outsized amount of power and how she was able to keep models off the runway and um really kind of change the trajectory of many people's careers that meant she was the only one that's really problematic and fulfilling a 
uh, a prophecy that was obviously already well on its way when we get into the stylists and oh. the designers and how that whole like whitewash wave that happened in the 90s right. came and about. Let's, actually, let's, let's make sure that we give a, a, a bit more of a context to this. You know, we've spoken about it on this uh, podcast before, where back in the 90s with the advent of Katie Grand and all those other brand name stylists, particularly with a uh, the English Cognoscenti, those guys, when they came in the 90s, they did not want to see anything black, well, except Naomi. Naomi was English, she was part of Best Friends with Kate, and she was a part of that that crew. But those people, you know, the, the, the Katie Grands and those influential stylists of the age, they literally set this whole diversity movement, movement back for years. I'm also glad to see that, you know, um, talent like Katie Grant in this age has been a part of the diversity movement. But, you know, um, I know history is, uh, sometimes we, we, we think um, history is not so memorable, but this was recent history. And, you know, and these are two culprits that we're speaking about in this conversation, but specifically speaking about Naomi Campbell. Yes, as you said, there is a, there is a, um, a journey that, you know, as to, that, that she played a role in that being being, she tried to keep the models off the runway in the 80s and the 90s, and then the the stylists come about in the mid 90s, and they only they only fortify that movement, and subsequently, as we're saying in this conversation, has set the issue of diversity in fashion back two decades. I think what was so powerful about that part of our previous conversation is I wonder what fashion would look like today if she'd taken her rebrand approach then. In terms oh. of, let me lift you up. Wow. Let's talk about this. Africa all the way. Black voices matter. I I just wonder how much of that kind of white waif, European-centric sensibility in fashion would have prevailed if she actually had more of a hand in being for okay. black culture instead of being more for what it seems like, I guess, herself. Because right? I, really... I, I don't think what you're saying is it's an anti it wasn't obviously it, it wasn't like an anti It was not an anti black, it was a self It was a pro Naomi. It was a pro Naomi sort of narcissistic um interest on in on her end. But yes, I appreciate I appreciate that thinking where you're like I wonder what this fashion space, and I too think that, I wonder what fa the fashion industry would look like if those campaigns didn't exist at that time, you know, to, to you know, keep things at a, visually at a particular place. However, as I said, it's not to take anything away from what's going on now. I, as I said, you learn, you know better, you do better, but can we speak about can we speak? I mean, and part of doing better as well is recognizing <laughs> how you weren't operating, you know, optimally at the time. I'm a huge Naomi, oh, I have been a huge Naomi Campbell fan. She was, you know, one of the people I looked up to as I was getting into fashion and interested in fashion. And just even this dialogue has been incredibly disappointing, if I'm perfectly honest. And it's funny because I was watching the other day, she did something on YouTube. She was talking about Christy Turlington and I think it was Helena Christensen who really helped bring her up in the industry because they were like, we are not doing this show unless yeah. Naomi's in it. Right. We're not doing this campaign unless Naomi's cast. Yes. And I want, it's almost, it's really upsetting to hear the accounts that, you know, you've really used to highlight these points because I wonder what it would have been like if Naomi had been like, do you know what? I'm not doing this show okay. unless 
these five models are doing oh, it too. Okay. And, so- and I wonder how much of a catalyst that would have been to where we are today. Like, would we be seeing this more diverse industry happen in the 90s when we actually really needed it? I feel like it's just gotten so calcified now that the conversation is it's still a bit slow because it is a bit surface. It's really just about what we're seeing customer facing but this problem has really infiltrated right through the ranks of the industry and I just wonder if that just wasn't her approach in the 90s and the and the the late 80s if we'd just be in a completely different place and that's a very valid question I mean I will say though the culture was very the culture was very different at that time it wasn't an activist culture as it is now and and in a way that's why I'm you know that's why I do have a question mark on Naomi Campbell's efforts now in a way in that it's this is the currency of the age you know black is hot and she is a very very popular you know black talent and you know and she also has her aspirations at this chapter at this chapter in her life you know the talk is that she's really really vying very hard to be to helm uh africa vogue and hence all the afrocentrism that's going on right now you know what it's fine if you discover your afrocentrism later on in life i can't indict that at all however I still think, as you said, if you help to stave off progress in the past surrounding the very issue that you're now lionizing, I need to know what has transpired in that time. Just to play devil's advocate for a second, which I know makes you very mad in this conversation when I do that, but could you not argue that the work that she's doing is the atonement? That, you know what? That's a, that's a great perspective. That's a great perspective if we didn't actually know how things worked. If we didn't actually know how spin works, if we didn't actually know how Hollywood works, if we didn't actually know how the public facing, the public face is diametrically different to the real profile of an individual. We know how these things work. We live, we kind of accept disingenuousness as a, as a way of life. This issue is too important. It's too important to too many people for us to let it have a pass like that. And again, this is no big, this is not a big Diane Sawyer interview. This is, this is a casual mention in, in whatever interview Naomi is, is, is having at the time. All it, she needs to say is that I got it wrong. I was actually a part of the problem at one time and I can see that now, but in this age, I have a, I have a different view. I love that. I was part of that blueprint, (laughs) but I'm part of the new blueprint to make things better. Do you think, I mean, you sound a bit a bit facetious. Do you think I'm being unrealistic for that kind of I mean, Jason, that kind of we confession? literally had like a one hour argument about that exact thing. I I personally I definitely think it's an unrealistic ask because like I said, this isn't common knowledge. It's just not out there. I don't think I think people what people know of the Naomi of the nineties is she had a furious temper and she was always late and she was a bit obnoxious and you know, people wheeled around this word bitch. People do not know about and I mean I didn't even know about this keeping other black models off the runway, you know, almost really playing into um there can only be one. Oh yeah, no, you know, no, no. That whole defining, fr- defining that there can only be one, and, defining that, and, that arena. And I don't think that's public knowledge. I'm myself like these conversations. I'm like my jaw is on the ground. <laughs> um, and so, 
knowing knowing that that's not massively, it's not written about, it's not speaked about, it's very much an upper echelon industry insider uh, vantage point. And therefore, why would she atone? You know, it's if no one if no one saw you do the thing that was wrong, did it really happen? Right. And so that's my whole thing of nobody is going to confess to something or atone for something or recognize something that they haven't been called to well, called it, upon to do. It's just not human nature. It's, and it's definitely not celebrity nature. It's so funny that you see it in that way, you know, because I'm feeling is that if you're attempting to do good work, which, you know, I think that this position she's holding right now of, you know, surrounding diversity and inclusivity, if you're attempting to do good work with good intentions, <laughs> that you want to do good, speaking the truth just is a part of that profile. It's not about, oh, will this land well with my audience or my feelings that if you're, if you want to do good, and especially if it's coming from a place where you're rewriting the script, do good, do it the right way. Right. But we're also in a business of optics. And so I think that you're not going to introduce new bad information when you just don't have to. I mean, come on. Well, it's funny, actually. Funny that you say that because in this age, and one of the issues that we've been speaking about that would probably be realized in a podcast here is this, uh, uh, the, the response from the public. Like if they sniff out that you are not true to your cause, when that realization happens and that blowback happens, it can be stunning. And I think in this situation, yeah, Naomi Campbell probably sits in peril like that, you know, where she she rises the ranks and she's not authentic about um, her position. Yeah, she could get really some blowback when people pull out those receipts. Right. But I think, but that's just like any other situation. I mean, we live in a call out culture. And if you look at the downfall of anyone from R. Kelly to Michael Jackson to Harvey Harvey Weinstein, whoever it is, I mean, it took for someone to say, hang on a minute. They didn't just voluntarily say, guys, hearsay has it. The industry are talking about these things. I just thought, listen, let me just clear the air. Like they're called upon to to atone. They're called up, but they're called out. And I think, you know, if any of these models who have suffered at the hands of, of Naomi Campbell, if they start speaking out and the public get wind of it, I mean, you said it's not a Diane Sawyer interview, but watch how she runs to do one. <laughs> it will be a YouTube special. And, and that is when we'll get that atonement. But what I'm saying is it's not going to happen in, in the absence of any of those elements because it just doesn't need to. Um, and I hear you and I hear you, I guess I'm, I, and I don't mean to be a blue sky about this, this request. I, 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 I'm not, but I just feel that again, in this age where transparency actually counts, authenticity is, is, is a key soundbite sure. that. And, we- and I get that. And I don't think I don't listen. I don't think it's an unreasonable ask. I just think it's an unrealistic one because listen, if I was her strategist, I'd say, look, let's get ahead of this and let's just talk about it. And it might allow you to live in your truth and your power a bit more than being called out and having to address them, address it thereafter when your credibility has already been shot. I also do believe that you have to tell the truth in order to move forward, oh. especially when you are a part of something that you're now projecting is your calling. Right, your call um, celeb. <laughs> for sure. And I think that, I mean, really being a part of that black on black um, violence, I don't know why I keep calling it that, but it's really, it's really shocking. It really, it really is a shocking 
thing to think about given how much she's riding hard for this cause. I know, it's shocking. She is really, I mean, you were call, you were talking about the article where she calls out people in the industry or she calls out the industry for yes. keeping, what was yes. that, what Alexa- was that called? She called out Alexandra Shulman at, at British Vogue stating how essentially Alexandra Shulman did, did not represent anything about diversity during I mean, her tenure. I mean, she was awful. She was awful, but, but uh, she actually, she actually true. made a statement, she actually made a statement that, you know, a lack of diversity was sort of like a mar on her record. That's a paraphrase phrase, a mar on her record during her tenure at British Vogue. She also mentioned something else, like two stunning quotes over the last like couple years or so surrounding diversity that, that when you really digest it, you're like, really, Naomi? Really? I would think that you should, you know, amend some of the things that you have stated in your, in over, historically in your life. So, But this yeah. is what I'm saying. It's, it's really not well known. I mean, I was watching the Valentino, the behind the scenes of the Valentino Couture show, and she was saying how she got really emotional and she was she actually ended up crying. She apologized for crying, which I, I thought was like a really sweet, candid moment. She apologized for crying and she said, I just looked around the room at all of this diversity, all of these black beauties, and I thought this is what I've been working for for 30 years. <laughs> okay. Okay, thank you for, thank you. But it was a really, I'm really upset because it was a really touching moment and I really actually now, um, I'm thoroughly disappointed. Okay, well thank you actually for, for reclaiming that moment because yes, like that moment is a Hollywood hallmark contrivance. Um, that I will not endure and that is what I mean. I'm sorry, that is a lie. And we should not accept that. And again, I, my energy sounds a bit strong for Naomi. It, it isn't. It isn't. I, I, I do recognize her power. And I think that, you know, she should go out and do this work. But she has to do it with honesty and with integrity or step aside. So I have a question for you, right? Because my position has been, um, or not necessarily my position, a question to you has always been, if the sum of the output is positive, ultimately, does those past transgressions and atonement even matter? Like, if Uh, you really look at it for what it is, she's really bringing to the forefront and really being a vehicle for a lot of visibility that maybe not been as visible and not maybe come about if it wasn't for the giants like the Edward Enenfalls and the Naomi Campbells and the Beth Anns and, like, all of those characters. So you could argue that, is it that, bad if the output is is her intentions or lack uh, disingenuous intentions that you that you're talking about is that so bad if the overall output ultimately is is positive i don't live my life lens through an american or north american or you know western um, media system that's not how that's not how i live my life and that's not how i view living and i think that question is is along those lines of like well if we were to you know craft the image and maintain uh naomi's position in this age then you know why would we sort of reveal that she had this negative past or whatever i don't i don't look at life like that that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is if we're really looking at where we are right now if the overall output of this Naomi 2.0 is positive, she seems to be doing the most. She's really out for change. She's really incredibly vocal. She's really putting herself out there as, as one of the industry's biggest advocates for diversity and progressive thinking, particularly around Black issues and Africa and diversity and inclusion and representation and all of those things that are really timely right now. 
if that is really her charge right now and she's doing good work and the output's positive, I'm saying like... My answer is no. I, I, you've, you've asked me this in a, another way before. My answer is no. I want to respect and honor those who are representing me. I mean, I think we we make certain sort of like concessions surrounding politicians and otherwise. We somehow downgrade what we ask of people who represent us. And again, I don't want to, it sounds like I'm this purist guy who are like, oh, I want like only good people. I'm not, I'm not naive. I know how, I know how the system works. I know how things work. But again, I do not want to look at the, the, the leader of a movement and I don't believe or trust the leader and that leader is speaking for me and my community. Why should I honor someone who is not who she is, who she says she is? I want the genuine article. But that's what I'm saying when I, that's why I'm talking, that's why I'm talking about the output because ultimately. No, the, uh, no, my answer is unequivocally I understand no. that. But to finish my point, you said we, we seem to excuse um, or make concessions for like politicians. She's not creating policy. She's not like, yeah, she is though. She's creating policies for diversity in fashion. Those are policies that she's speaking about. She's talking about how to go about it, how to maintain it. That's what that's the platform she's sending us. So yeah, she in many ways she she I is guess, determining policy. I guess I look at it very differently because I look at her more as a as a figurehead as opposed to someone who is in the weeds, in the trenches, doing like in the granular, like actually impacting the day-to-day of what this industry looks like from hiring in the executive corridors from you know from like a, a more granular level of impacting change i don't i don't see her as that figure i don't think many people do i think she's more of a of a figurehead using her influence and her celebrity to really highlight but exactly influence using her influence. So I want that influence to be authentic. Why should I? Why should I accept an influence that is disingenuous and inauthentic? Like I don't. I don't understand why we have to sort of like you know bob and weave around a, a public figure like an Naomi Campbell if she's not who she says she is. Then call that out. And it's to just your, a question. To, to your point before, in terms of the call out culture, in terms of like you know. Uh, having more voices who are speaking on this, I would like to raise our hands in this in this hopefully we'll be one of those voices speaking about atonement hopefully we'll be one of those um voices or two of those voices that have said okay we know that or at least let me speak for myself that we know that these things have happened and we have discussed it in our podcast we have put the issues out there in the world and maybe others will follow suit and maybe that atonement will come from our little efforts here through this little podcast and maybe it won't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just being a dick um you know i i think that your your call for atonement is is an interesting one because while i agree to a certain extent i just it's, it's just so far removed from from reality unless she's called upon to do so that it's not it's not a real thing for me but i definitely hear you and i think i think you've really informed me in a way that I just, I never would have known. Like, she's so iconic. She is a goddess. Like, there are all of these other things that people really are looking at. 
Um, and there is no information about these past transgressions and and honestly quite how heinous it is. I mean, when you really kind of detail the accounts, it's really, it, it's, I mean, I've oh. said it like four times already. It's really disappointing. Oh, it is. It's um, terrible. It's really terrible. I know for some very intimate stories and they're really, they're really terrible stories. They were unnecessary. They're unnecessary. And of course, you know, you can sort of file some of them as the transgression of a spoiled young girl who didn't know any better. Yes, you certainly can do that for some of them. But there are a lot, there are too many stories that all of them should be filed under that category. Some of them was just straight up mean and just horrible. Why? I think also that's why when you contextualize it like that, because the overall argument with people not knowing specifics is, you know, was she just a product of the age, right? So it's like Mm. there was only one model, if any, or if at all, and she fought for that spot. And that was oh. that was the 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 situation, the context of the age, and now we've come out of that, and she's obviously adapted to that, and now she's obviously singing a different tune that's more amenable to the times that she's that's in. More amenable to the times. And she's so, in. and and I mean, I remember when I put that question to you, you almost slapped me. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, listen to the deeper details. It's hard to use that as any justification. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There, um, her as sort of responding to this by saying that it was the temperature of the age. Uh, no, Naomi, Naomi set that temperature. <laughs> she was holding the thermometer and she said that she set that temperature. But again, you know, she was also a woman who was a drug abuser and alcohol abuser, and apparently in this age she no longer is, you know? So she, clearly she has changed. Clearly, and she has, I've seen interviews where she has said that she was a different person at the time, you know, and that she has she has really changed her stripes in many respects. So I would love, I give her the latitude to think that she has made some improvements to her thinking and her conduct. And I, I would welcome her participating in the conversation and, and representing us as people, but not with this checkered history without any atonement. I just can't. And I'm not the only one. You know, a lot of people don't talk about Naomi Campbell, but I know a lot of people in this industry. And behind the scenes, there's a lot of talk about Naomi Campbell. And oftentimes these conversations are concentrated in this lane. So I assure you, if that, if she's going to try to ascend to an Africa Vogue, the chorus will come out because that is way too important for her to represent under this sort of like, you know, um, rose-tinted Hollywood lens. No, we're not going to have that in this age. That's not what it's about. Well, I think that in conclusion, in terms of atonement, I think that's really going to come with some level of catalyst, right? It's not going to happen on its own. And I think we're, we're just in a space right now where people will attribute her to, to racial and, you know, diverse progress <laughs> because they don't know or right. understand that she was ever a part of the problem. I know, but it's funny, and you articulated that it just cracks me up because, you know, to, to my ears and to ears who lived at the time, I, they're, they're, all they can do is laugh. Because it is it is that much of a myth. Like everything we talk about, I'm really interested to see where this goes because I'm still a little bit straddling this whole if the output is really great and positive. Mm-hmm. I can understand. You that. know, is that the atonement? Yeah. And could that have happened behind closed doors that even accounted for this? pivot should we say right so i'm interested to see really how far it goes and how deep it goes i think for me it's about how 
deep it goes because ultimately we can all talk about diversity and, and it's just so timely and we're using a lot of the buzzwords but like we say it's you know you can't just talk about it you've got to be about it yes. and only time will tell if she really is putting her money where her mouth is and really being about that message rather than just putting it on youtube and and and, and let, let it not be you know obviously we under we know what edward inningful the editor-in-chief of british vogue how the accolades that he has received and as we know edward and naomi are longtime bosom buddies they're very 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 close friends and we've seen the the respect and we've seen the changes that edward has made at um at british vogue and i'm sure that's inviolable to naomi to some extent but i have to say edward edward's trajectory is different from Naomi's and it would be a different thing if she was trying to helm a Vogue than the way that Edward ascended to that to that position. Uh, so I hope she is not trying to just co-op that glory that Edward has gotten through that through that uh, through British Vogue uh, through an African Vogue. She will she will have greater scrutiny. Mm, maybe that's another topic for another maybe time. Maybe that's another topic for another time. And until then, okay. See you the next time. Bye.